In this episode, I'm going to speak with Sally Lofties on the topic of teaming in a hybrid world and pay equity. Teaming in a hybrid world is something that often comes up with my clients where they wonder, how do I create this engaged team when we're not in the office together? How do I encourage or motivate my team members? How do I bond with them? How do we do these team building activities? And what might be some red flags I should be paying attention to if I worry or in order to early detect if someone seems disengaged or demotivated or doesn't feel included in the team? That's what we're going to talk about in this episode. And we're going to touch on pay equity as this is something I care about and I'm sure you care about as well. And Sally knows quite a bit about how to navigate conversations around pay equity. Without further ado, let's dive in. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. In this conversation, I'm joined by Sally Lofties. Sally is the managing director at Lofties Partners, a consulting firm located in North Carolina. Lofties Partners specializes in strategy, people, facilitation, and pay justice. Since launching in August of 2020, Sally and her firm have worked with over 54 clients across three different continents. I'm excited to share this conversation with you and introduce Sally Lofties to the Manager Track podcast audience. Here we go. Sally, welcome to the Manager Track podcast. It is great to have you here and I'm very much looking forward to this conversation with you on teaming in a hybrid world. Thank you, Ramona. I'm excited to be here. So you do a lot of work in across the globe with teams and figuring out how they can build this team engagement when they're working in a hybrid setup or in a remote setup, in addition to other things that you do. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But on the work of a team engagement, this is something that often comes up in client conversations that I have for my clients are looking for more inputs and ideas and ways to engage their team when they don't physically see them. What do you think are some of the common challenges that you experience in the work with teams and leaders? Absolutely. Thank you for that question. I will say just kind of a couple right off the top of my head. One is that a lot of times, depending on the size of the business, they may have an organizational strategy for a hybrid work environment, which is great and gives kind of a scaffolding for people. But really, a lot of the detailed work for managers is really at that team level. And there needs to be a level of kind of conversation and work happening there simultaneously to the kind of business-wide or organization-wide strategy. I think the other piece is that people try to act like one size fits all to these situations, right? And so how your team is going to function is going to be dependent on who's on your team and kind of what their different situations are. And even based, you know, work with global groups, you know, kind of based on time zones or maybe what the culture is in that country, what languages are spoken, things like that. So those are a couple of immediate challenges that I think about. I love that you said there needs to be a conversation on that team level. 
when I work with leaders that are just getting promoted into their first leadership role, we focus a little bit less than that because oftentimes it's only a couple of people that they start okay. managing initially. Not always. Sometimes they're thrown into the deep end with six, seven <laughs> direct reports. But oftentimes they're sort of gradually building up that team and mm -hmm. the team conversations flow more naturally. But the moment someone has an established team or even manages other managers and is managing and responsible for a bigger team, I find this to be an often underlooked and undervalued yet incredibly important aspect of their work. And so in the programs with mid-level leaders, that is one of the core pillars is leading a team we call this team operating system mm -hmm. that we build because exactly of this. And I would love to hear your perspective on what are some of the topics that leaders need to pay attention to on that team level that you think are often not organically happening. Yeah. And I love the way you put that team operating system, right? Because it is, it's, you're thinking about kind of how do we get our flow as a group, right? You're bringing unique individuals into this group environment and everybody's going to have different strengths, different ways of working, different ways of showing up. And so you as a leader want to tap into this group, the potential of this group. And one of the ways that you can do that is one is just kind of checking in with your team. And when do you do your best work? Tell me about some experiences, right, that you've had in other teams where things have worked well. What are the conditions that are happening for you to do your best work? So that, I think number one is just having a conversation where people feel like they can share and just share experiences. And if people don't feel comfortable talking about things that have happened in the company, talk about teams you've been on in other areas of your life, right? And then you can kind of, like you said, the operating system, get into and work with a lot of groups to build team agreements. So how is it that you as a team want to work together? If you're working remotely or hybrid, are there certain hours that everyone's accessible by email, right? Are there certain roles? Are there times that you want to connect? And when you do connect, what's the purpose? How do you support people who can't connect at that time? Do you have notes? Are there people rotating facilitations? I think also, how do you get updates? You really want to prioritize those meeting times for connection, especially in a remote and hybrid work environment, because if anything can be done synchronously and asynchronously, you want to use those synchronous times for that connection. Mm -hmm. So what I just heard you explain is in the team agreement, what you often talk to with your clients is evolves around meetings and how meetings are conducted, information sharing and how is information passed through the team mm -hmm. uh, and then specific communication channels and how they should be managed and what mm -hmm. the expectations are for those. Is that right? Yeah. And just kind of basic availability. It's almost like, you know, some people talk about like a team charter or an about mm -hmm. us type thing. If you're able to kind of put these agreements together on a piece of paper, online, whatever, it doesn't have to be a four page document. It can be four or five bullet right. points, right? That's something that all of you can agree on. It's also a great way to orient people to your team if you're working in a new department or a new organization or whatever, but also for when you have new team members come on, because those agreements may change a little bit based on where they are, but it's just kind of a way to say, hey, let's kind of coalesce mm -hmm. around these pieces so each of us knows how we're doing our work as this kind of unit of people beyond kind of that organizational umbrella that people have for remote work environments. 
Yeah. And it's so funny how oftentimes people think, oh, no, no, we're on the same page. We often talk, we've worked together for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then when I do work with teams around time management or around team agreements or similar to that, and we talk about what is expected in terms of email mm -hmm. response, and I create a poll, an anonymous mm -hmm. poll, <laughs> and then people realize, oh, man, I was thinking that a two-hour turnaround time was what we all expect because that's what I expect. Oh, and wow. then they realize, oh, wow, no, someone else thinks a 48 hour turnaround time is most appropriate, right? <laughs> exactly. How do we so mismatched? I think it's often hidden of these little expectations that we make that are implicit and never, never made explicitly. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great example of even just thinking about how sometimes like I've worked with clients who are really trying to decrease email. And so they do a lot of work on like of something like Slack as a space. And it's so funny because my email expectations of them are very different than my other clients who do most of their work via email. Cause I'm like, basically, if you're not talking to them on Slack, they may not see an email for a week or two. And so just even those little things and thinking about as a team, like, okay, I know, you know, teammate B is accessible to answer this email on Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern or something. I know that I need to send my emails or we need to have meetings in or I may not get an answer. And it really helps build this culture of a group coming together and kind of supporting one another, but also, again, kind of prioritizing that connection, which is really important between team members, but also as a manager of just thinking about like, am I building connection with my individual team? members as well on top of the whole team. Yes. Yes. Very true. And actually interesting that you brought up Slack or even teams, mm -hmm. which can be a, a big productivity booster, but it can also be a big productivity killer mm -hmm. if not managed well. And if you don't understand individual preferences and then find a way to agree and define how we're going to work together as a team. Yeah, I would say hashtag relationship goals for those people who can do Slack and Teams really well, because I mean, it does, it takes a lot to your point. It takes a lot of organization and conversation about how are we going to use these products to help increase our productivity and we have buy-in that everybody's going to use it in similar ways and people know how to access previous documentation, whether it's document files or conversations or things like that. So in addition to having this conversation around how do we operate and how do we navigate ourselves mm -hmm. and what we focus on as a team, what are some additional ways that for a leader who has a remote team that they can reach out to team members, do things and connect mm -hmm. it or pay attention to specific symptoms or red mm -hmm. flags or green flags or mm -hmm. white flags, whatever mm -hmm. that might be that indicates that the team is in a healthy place and despite being in a hybrid setup, there's mm -hmm. actually a strong bond there that defines the team. Yeah, I think there's kind of some formal and informal cues you might pick up on. One is attendance at meetings. If people are showing up, what the conversation is like at the meetings, where you are, if you're having meetings, are there some meetings where there's a lot of conversation and there's some that aren't, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of what's happening. I think having times where you're doing personal check-ins with your employees individually, just it can be 10 minutes, right? But just saying, hey, I hadn't talked to you. How's it going this week? 
whatever the employee feels comfortable sharing, they will. But I mean, in kind of sharing what's going on with you, hey, I've got a really busy week. We have a big family reunion this weekend. I'm only going to be available by email this week. Just little things like that, that really normalize connection are really helpful. And you can do that. You can go old school and do it by phone, or you can do it by Zoom, or you can email whatever it is. I think also, again, is thinking about as a leader, how can you reward team behavior? So are there times if you're having weekly or biweekly team meetings that you can say, hey, we did this really well as a team, recognizing, hey, I really liked how these two or three people were able to pull this together. And I mean, really kind of being intentional about recognizing team, what I call teaming, working together as a team is really important. And then I think it's also important for managers to be in community with other managers, whether it's a group at your work or some kind of learning group, peer group offered by another company or whatever, where you can talk to and be in community with people who are doing the same work as you and be able to just talk through issues and be like, hey, I've got this one team member that never turns on their camera. Right. Mm -hmm. And people are struggling. Maybe everybody else on the team feels connected to that person, but I don't. Right. So, I mean, just being able to be in community and talk to other managers is really important because it helps build this peer learning source for you. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I can't highlight that enough. I think the peer group and the social learning aspect is so, so important. And I think especially in a hybrid world will become increasingly important and valuable to people who otherwise feel a little bit in a silo, especially as a manager, they can't bring all the problems to their manager because that has an impact on their reputation. They also can't bring it to their team members and even with direct peers, they need to be mindful. So having a, a good peer group of other managers in their shoes in that confidential setup is so useful. I wanted to ask you about this question mm -hmm. with someone not turning on the camera. Then you brought it up as an example. I'm going to jump on that. What would you suggest for someone to do who actually says, yes, team engagement overall, I think we're doing fine, but I always have a hard time getting people to turn on their cameras or even, mm -hmm. and I hear this often too, to engage in meetings. It always feels like a monologue and then there's no mm -hmm. response back. So what do they do in either of those situations? Yeah. So let's talk about kind of not being on screen. One is again, having that conversation as a team, what are the expectations? Do we have an expectation that everybody's going to be on camera? Do we have an expectation that it's a choice? Because sometimes people are not on camera due to maybe where they are, or they're not feeling well, or whatever. Some people feel more comfortable being off camera. So I think just having a conversation as a team, mm -hmm. just about, hey, how do y'all feel about being on camera? What do you feel like our agreement should be around being on camera? I think also that I would encourage that manager to have an individual conversation with each person just to be like, hey, maybe that manager's gotten some feedback about it. I find people have strong, varied opinions about being on camera. Mm -hmm. It's super funny because I default to being on camera, but there are a lot of people who default to not. So mm -hmm. that may be a generational difference. I don't know. So I think just having that conversation. And then the other piece is really around engaging. So thinking about what I find is that people tend to look for engagement opportunities in smaller groups. So if you're just having a group of five people and only one person is talking, see if you can maybe give people 10 minutes in a breakout room one-on-one, -on -one, like a group of two or something like that, just to see if they will talk in there. Um, of course, you're not going to know because you're not in there, but you'll probably be able to tell whenever those people come back and recap, 
you'll be able to kind of measure whether or not people are engaged. I think another thing is thinking about how can you encourage engagement along the way where you're getting feedback. So let's just think about like a Monday through Friday work week. You're having a team meeting on Wednesday. You're going to talk about this project coming up and maybe some of the decisions you need to be made. See if you can get that email out to your team or whatever, a couple of days ahead, a week ahead is amazing, but a couple of days ahead and say, hey, we're going to have this discussion on Wednesday. If you have any questions or things you think we need to discuss in this, here's a document to add that information to, then you take that, incorporate that into your Wednesday team meeting. And then afterwards saying, hey, if you have thoughts after this, after this discussion, we just had questions, add it to this document by Friday, the same week. And just then thinking, okay, then we're going to move forward on Monday. So it really kind of gives people some time because not everybody can process in the moment, right? Or may think of something right afterwards and be like, dad, come it. I wish I had added that. I was distracted. I was really trying to focus on what this person was listening to. So I think that's another way that's also an inclusive practice, but a way to kind of ask people to synchronously and asynchronously add to the conversation. And then if people are not doing, if you're just not getting engagement, I'm of the type who's just like, can we just talk about how nobody's responding? Like you may not feel comfortable doing that, but sometimes just like, Hey, why is everybody quiet? Yeah. And just that elephant. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I appreciate you saying there is something to discuss and agree on the team level and then to bring it up individually. Mm-hmm. And what I also found is the sooner people, leaders define those norms or set those team agreements in place, the more they'll be able to prevent such awkward situations down the road, mm-hmm. right? Because even if you are in the interview process with someone and you think like, hey, they might be a great fit, you can walk them through your team agreement and say, this is how work within this team would look like. Here's mm-hmm. some of the values that we honor and here are some of the specific mm-hmm. practices and, and actions that we expect from team members and what we align on. And if it says on their camera on and you're setting that up, that expectation up mm-hmm. front and it's not going to come as a surprise down the road where if you're like, well, that's now awful. Like I, I didn't know that and I don't like it, but they knew that from the beginning. Yeah. Imagine being a candidate interviewing for a job and you're about to get an offer and you get kind of a document. Again, it doesn't have to be a huge documentary thing, but just something that kind of gives, here's how we operate. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to you joining and seeing how you can add to this, but Mm -hmm. it would give you an insight look into this team. But again, like you said, it's also setting expectations. And I think these team agreements are something that I would revisit every six to 12 months, just to be like, Hey, is this still working for us? Has anybody had life situations change, whatever? Cause again, you're working with a group of dynamic people who are not static all the mm-hmm. time and life is not static. So you can be agile mm-hmm. by kind of shifting to what's happening in people's lives. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much for sharing this information around team engagement and some specific tactical action items that we can all do right away and conversations mm-hmm. we can have From the first minute on, you dropped there some questions that I actually took note of. And I thought, oh, great questions to bring up and check in 101, then check in on a team level and pay attention, just really being on it. I think that's the core when it comes to this teaming in a hybrid world. Now, the second specialty that you have and Mm -hmm. special expertise that I wanted to quickly touch on is around pay equity. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I work in the pay equity space, which there's a lot of different words that float around. But when we're talking about pay equity is thinking about people getting paid equitably for the same jobs 
within an organization, which also is related to pay parity, right? Sometimes we look at that from a race, ethnicity, gender perspective, some of those intersectional identities, but really looking at how are people paid? And again, work in this space with a sense of curiosity, not judgment of just like, hey, you know, what I find with organizations I work with them on pay equity and they may bring me in and be like, we're just getting a lot of employee feedback about they're not happy about pay and we don't understand. That may be where we start, right? And which I will say, great, I'm excited that you're getting employee feedback because not everybody has that too, is that people are willing to share that with you, which is a sign of engagement. And three, we just start looking at it. And I'm surprised by how many people don't really understand how pay is structured in their organizations and why maybe two people in the same position are getting paid differently and maybe vast differences and don't really have any kind of documentation or structure for that. Mm-hmm. So from a manager's perspective, not necessarily from the HR viewpoint, but from a manager, when they care about or are exposed to and then care about pay equity and Mm -hmm. salary ranges, what are some of the specific things that you suggest they be on the lookout for? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love how you're kind of bringing it to the manager, because a lot of times people in decision making roles can make a big impact no matter where they are in an organization. So one is that I would just see if you have access to your team's pay. Not every organization I work with has access to that. So even knowing what your team is paid. So just even asking questions, again, sense of curiosity, not judgment, and maybe with HR or finance, whoever, of just like, hey, why are these two people paid different? Can you walk me through that? And then have a conversation with your team. Do you know how pay is structured, Mm -hmm. Um, normalize talking about pay. I think that's important because what I find is a lot of people don't talk about pay at all at work unless it's like secretly in a Slack channel or behind closed doors or, you know what I mean? People are whispering to each other. They're not having conversations about pay. Another piece would be just having a conversation with your team about what motivates you. Pay is going to be one of them, but also understanding what are the other things that motivate people, which is a great thing, again, as a supervisor, especially managing a remote team, Mm -hmm. is that not everybody's going to be motivated by the same thing. Mm -hmm. But as you know that, you can really kind of manage appropriately to people's needs. Mm -hmm. Um, The last thing I would say, too, is just thinking about how can you have conversations if you know there's some pay disparities or inequities in your organization, are there ways that you can start having a conversation? Maybe it's with your boss, or maybe you're in a working group, or maybe it's with HR. And just be curious and start having a conversation and see where it leads. Mm -hmm. And I like your emphasis there on curiosity, because sometimes Mm -hmm. when we do get access to the data, Mm -hmm. and we may see some shocking information on there, where big question marks pop up, especially if you have this sense of equity and we really strive for fairness on the team, we may not know where it's coming from, but we are quick to judge. And so in that moment to take the judgment out of it first and just inquire, tell me how this got to be so different. What were the considerations over the last few years? What were the reasons for either bigger or smaller increases Mm -hmm. versus the other? That sounds like a great approach to start the conversation. And what I also hear from you is is that managers do have influence over this and should take Mm -hmm. it seriously to their part in order to level us all globally up on that pay equity scale to reach better situations in the future. 
Yeah. And I will say one thing that sometimes I will suggest as, you know, managers is really even looking at thinking about a lot of times if people are leaving because of pay, right? Thinking about how long does it take you to replace somebody who leaves? Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people, it could be anywhere from 30 to 90 days. And then that new person coming in may be working at half productivity for those first three to six months and just start kind of calculating that. And a lot of times, if you look at the gap, um, kind of the cost of posting the position, the recruiters working on it, whatever, and then the work lost while you have somebody else, or maybe somebody else is having to take on the extra work as a side duty or whatever, and then kind of the productivity loss. A lot of times the cost to replace that person is actually higher than just bumping that person's pay up. Yeah. Um, now you want to do that in an organized way. So you don't just bump one person's pay up and then throw everybody else off. But I see a lot of times people think short-term, not long-term mm. on pay equity decisions. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the factors that you would take into account for a long-term perspective? It's thinking, what is our retention rate? What's our turnover rate? What's our goal? Mm-hmm. I've worked with organizations who've had 40 and 50% turnover Mm-hmm. And talking about the institutional history that's lost every time you turn over somebody and really did they ever get somebody up to full speed if they only worked there a year, yeah. right? And just churning the same money over and over again versus how can you build positions that are meaningful and people are going to stay and continue to contribute more as they're longer mm-hmm. with your organization. So there are some organizations who are like, yeah, this is a role that we're just going to crank out new people every two years. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine. Whatever. There's some organizations like, it would be great if we could grow someone into this next leadership role. And we'd love to do that in-house. So thinking about like, how do you retain that person until they're ready and invest in that person? Yeah. And I could also imagine in not just looking at it from a pay perspective, but what are all the factors that lead to the person leaving? Because sometimes mm-hmm pay is an easier one to say, well, I get paid more over there than I do get here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to take that opportunity, but that's usually not the full, not always, but often it's not the full story, right? To it. And uh, there may be other reasons why that person's leaving. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say a study just came out today from wall street journal about how on average, when people move to a new role outside of their organization, they're getting about a 7.6% increase in pay. Whereas somebody who stays with the organization is getting a 5.6% increase in pay. Mm-hmm. That's 2%, 2%. Mm-hmm. I know you know, like when you look at kind of the turnover, what happens when you retain people for longer, I know the money is there. It just may not be immediately, but just thinking about 2% is so small compared to what would happen if you retain an incredible employee. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for sharing that as well on the pay equity topic and also just raising the awareness. And I don't talk about this often because and I'm not from a legal side. My background is not in HR. I'm really coming from that leadership perspective, the management side of things. And so bringing your perspective in and hearing what you're, the work that you're doing and how you're elevating the topic overall, but also helping all of us see what kind of influence we have and how we can advocate or move the needle into the right direction. As we're wrapping up, what is something that you think would be important for the audience to know, but we haven't yet talked about? I think I would want to share is that some of the things we share today, you may think that would be great for whenever I manage a team next, 
right? It won't work with my current team. I think I would want to say to everybody is that no matter where you are in the team, if you have one employee, you have 20. If you've been managing this team for 10 years, for 10 days, all of the things we talked about today are applicable and you can do right now. You can always kind of restart or reboot where you are and just start small, kind of start building those relationships and it will make a difference over time. I just want people to hear that definitely you can make a difference in what you do today. Mm, Yeah. Really good one. Really, really good one. Where can people find more about you? Yeah. Thank you for asking. There are several ways. I'm always on LinkedIn. I'm there multiple days a week. So that's the best place you can connect with me. And I also have a monthly newsletter called the Fully Human Resources Newsletter, where I share monthly tips about human resources and different aspects there. You can also find me on my consulting page website, which is www.loftuspartners.com, which I'm sure I'll share with you and hopefully will be in the show notes. And that's L-O-F-T-I-S. And so I would love to connect with you. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. Happy to set up a time just to chat. And I will also send kind of a blog post about some of this teaming stuff that we talked about today so that your listeners can access that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We will drop all the links in the show notes. And if this is something that you want to learn more about and you're interested in having the conversations around teaming in a hybrid world and or pay equity, then check out Sally's page or connect with her on LinkedIn. Thank you, Sally, for being part of the Manage to Track podcast. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com slash book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com slash masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.